0: Uh, This is going to be uh, a little bit of an unconventional uh, message this week, I think. It's not quite so uh, uh, churchy, let's say. Um, So it's going to be exciting. And do you know why it's going to be exciting? Because today I am talking about your favorite subject. And I know what you're thinking, like, Daniel, how could you possibly talk about everyone's favorite subject? There's way too many people in here to be able to cover that in the course of like, you know, half an hour that I actually have. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure that you could spend hours like telling fascinating facts and, and all about the, the uh, specifics of like your hermit crab collection or uh, you, could, you, could, you, you could spend just all day talking about why the Packers are so much better than the Vikings. Um... Right? So, I'm sure there's merit in understanding why the White Ranger should have been the leader instead of Red, but you're forgetting your real favorite topic. Because your favorite topic, everyone's favorite topic, the thing you love to talk about the most, is yourself. Right? And today... That is what we're talking about. We are talking about you, and you, and you. Every single one of you. You are going to learn something new about yourself today. Now, there's a lot of ways to learn about yourself. But the one way, the most foolproof way that I've found to learn about yourself is Facebook. You know what I'm talking about. They've got those surveys, right? The surveys, what kind of X are you uh I was uh I was on one just the other day. Um this one looks kinda weird, but this survey here says, all right, really quick, what's the first animal you saw? Call it out. Elephant. What else? Horse? Tiger? Fish? Dog? A bird? Yeah. Did anybody see the frog? It took me forever to find the frog in there, but there's a frog. Right? Um, I found out yesterday that that I am an elephant. Um, The elephants are a symbol of honor, power, wisdom, and prestige. They're also authoritarian and stubborn. So I'm going to start making some changes around here, and no one's going to change my mind. (laughs) Now, the day before, I found out that out of all of the Disney princesses, I am the most like Mulan. Uh, so all I need now is a dragon and a cricket, and I'll be unstoppable. <laughs> uh, but see, I've already gotten so caught up in talking about myself that I've gotten distracted from the real topic today, which is you. We're talking about you today. Today, you're going to get an opportunity to take a brand new personality quiz, right? Uh, you're going to learn about yourself, and then we're going to go through the various categories that uh, are results of this, and uh, we're going to see what they mean. Sound like fun? Yeah, I knew it would. All right, so as a little recap, we're talking this month about the idea that we're genetically generous. Um, As Stephen put it last week, we are created in the image of God, and because we are in his image, we share certain attributes with him. Uh, We know that God is eternal, and so as we are made in his image. We have this passion, this desire to be eternal. We don't want to die today. We, we want our life to go on. We don't want it to end too soon. But even more importantly, we yearn for our eternal home in heaven after this one, we want to be eternal. We know that God is creative, and as we are created in His image, we also want to be creative. We create beautiful art, new technology. Um, we come up with these amazing new quizzes on Facebook that tell you what kind of in uh, sync member you are the most like. I'm Chris. That's right. <laughs> um, and and we know that our God is generous. Our God is generous, and we see this in two very uh, prominent ways. The first one, God was generous in his creation. He made an amazing universe, a fascinating world, and then he put us in it. He gave us life. He gave us companionship. He put us in charge of everything, and then we, you know, we royally screwed that one up. Uh, but that led us right into the second display of his generosity, because in the depth of everything that we did wrong, in the, uh, the, the pit of our sin, he sent his son down to earth to save us. When we had no chance, when we couldn't pull ourselves up to his standards of holiness, he came down and met us where we were. He sacrificed himself on the cross so that we could live with him eternally. Our God is a generous God Gloriously generous God. And because our God is generous, we see that each of us has a tendency towards generosity. We're going to turn our attention to 2 Corinthians 9. If you have your blue Bible next to you, if you brought your own Bible today, if you want to pull it up on your smartphone, Go ahead, um, we'll give you just a couple of seconds to pull it up before I actually read it. But we're going to Second Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. What's happening here is Paul is talking to the guys over in Corinth. If you look back at chapter eight, you see Paul, he's having like a little pastoral coaching session uh, with them about commitment. And you know those those TV and radio pledges, right? Where you call in and you're like, I love your cause, I'm gonna give so much money to it, right? Well, the guys over in Corinth they had uh, called into the Jerusalem pledge drive, as it were. And uh, they had pledged this huge amount of money. And everybody was super excited about this. They were, like, relatively new to their faith. And they were super excited about getting their money out, out there to help the people who were in need. And Paul saw their pledge, and he's like, wow, this is amazing. So he starts bragging on them to their neighbors, the Macedonians. Um, but then, like, a year has passed, and they still haven't actually delivered the money that they pledged, and so he's sending them a little friendly nudge and saying, "Hey guys, just in case you know some of your Macedonian neighbors come over and they tell you that I've been telling them about like what you promised, uh, you should probably actually get that money in, uh, just so that nobody's you know uh, embarrassed." Hey, there it is. <laughs> anyway, so Paul sent them this friendly reminder, and he goes, "Remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly." And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's break that down a bit. First off, he calls out two kinds of people. He says there's those who sow sparingly, and there's those who sow generously. Okay? Now, Two kinds of people, but both of them sow. Both of them give in some way or another. Notice, there's not a third group that doesn't sow anything. Everybody gives something to someone at some time. Everybody sows. The question is, do you sow sparingly or do you sow generously? And we see this in humans from the very beginning, don't we? Think about this. Toddlers. Toddlers are some of the most selfish beings on the planet, are they not? But at the same time, Stephen, when you're at home with Elijah, and he's got a handful of Cheerios, doesn't he also try to shove a few in your mouth or maybe up your nose as well? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe not every child. Uh, But, okay, Judd, how many times has Zion gone out into the yard and picked a dandelion? for his mother, right? Now, I know my kids did this, especially after they had gone to seed um, and they'd blown like half the seeds off or something. But everyone is born with this urge, this inclination to give. Generosity is in our DNA. It's part of who we are inherited from our heavenly father. So the question becomes, do you so sparingly Or generously, that's Paul's challenge. Uh, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. You already know your own heart. You already understand what you've decided you want to give. Of course, Paul's urging everyone to be generous. But even more importantly, he says, don't give reluctantly. Don't let somebody else decide for you. Don't give out of guilt or under pressure. Give freely. Give willingly. And give cheerfully. Which means that your motivation is the key to it all. But we knew that, didn't we? Like, motivation is always the key uh, to so many aspects of our lives. Think about it this way. How many of us want to be fit, ripped, buff? toned. Right? You don't have to raise your hands. It's okay. But we know from experience that we all want to be strong, healthy. Many of us want to shed a few extra pounds. We're motivated by fitness. But on the other hand, there's pizza. Stuffed crust, meat lovers, cheese oozing off the sides. Oh, yeah. And for most of us, there's a pretty obvious winner between those two motivations, right? (laughs) But every now and then, for those of us who usually opt for the pizza, a new motivation comes along that's even stronger. Maybe it's that prom date. Or it might be something more serious, like a friend or family member experiencing a health emergency that really catches us off guard, puts things into perspective. Motivation is key, and when we have the right motivation... We make decisions differently. We're a little happier to choose that salad over the pizza. Uh, And when we're motivated to give, we give cheerfully. And God loves a cheerful giver. Now, Julian of Norwich was a 14th century author and counselor. Um, She was the first woman to write a book that we still have access to today. That book is called The Revelations of Divine Love, and it's one of the great classics of the spiritual life. Here's what she says about giving. She says, Cheerful givers do not count the cost of what they give. Their hearts are set on pleasing and cheering the person to whom the gift is given. Think about a time when you gave a great gift. You, uh, maybe it was just last month, or maybe it was several years ago, but you remember it like it was yesterday. You gave an awesome gift to somebody you really cared about. You were in the store, and you came across the perfect gift. You knew it from the moment you saw it. It was for them. Christmas might have been months away, but you bought it anyway. Uh, You wrapped it so carefully, and you were just itching for the day they opened it. You could barely contain yourself. You wanted to tell them so bad. Seeing the joy on that person's face made you as excited to give it as they were to receive it. Does everybody have something like that where you gave and you were so excited to give? Now be honest, while they were opening it, did you think to yourself, I wonder if I could have gotten that cheaper on Amazon? (laughs) No, of course not. You weren't thinking about the cost. You were just so super excited to see the look on their face. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how much it cost, it didn't matter how hard it was to hide it, or whether you got something in return at all. Because you gave it because of the joy you knew it would bring. You were motivated by their happiness in receiving that gift. Okay. Now the folks over at Community Church, who we partner with for a lot of our material, they ask themselves, okay, if we understood our motivations a little bit better, Would it help us to grow in this spiritual journey? Could knowing more about ourselves help help us become cheerful givers? So they're thinking about this idea of motivation, and they did a study about what motivates people to give. Uh, The guy who headed this up for them, he is a very successful businessman, a regular contributor contributor to the Harvard Business Review, um, knows what he's talking about. And... um, His full-time job is to go into corporate settings and help them understand the motivations driving their customers. He really knows motivation. So with his help, they identified six distinct generosity profiles that can help us understand our various motivations to give. Six profiles. And they whittled down these profiles into wait for it, a survey of eight questions. It takes about a minute to fill it out. And with that survey, they can say within yeah, 70% accuracy which of these profiles most likely corresponds to your motivations. And because it's only up to 70%, 70%, they give you a secondary profile you know, to say, well, okay, maybe you might be this one if we're wrong. But it only takes about a minute to. So, here's what I want you to do. Pull out your smartphones. If you've got a smartphone today, come on, pull it out. I want you to direct your browser to mygenprofile.org. Super simple little survey. And you're going to learn a little bit more about yourself today. I want you to go ahead and take that survey. Figure out what your profile is. And once you've done it, go ahead and just like hold your, your phone up a little bit so I get an idea of when people are done. Now, if you don't have a smartphone today, that's okay. You're still gonna learn a little bit about yourself. I'm not quite sure how you got here today without a smartphone, but we'll pray for you anyway. All right, looks like just about everybody's wrapping up at this point. If you haven't, go ahead and finish it. There's no rush. Uh, we'll we'll get there. But we're gonna just start going through these um, and just talking a little bit about what each one means and what each one looks like. So, for those of you who have finished, who got cause mover? Who's a cause mover? All right. Looks like just one or two cause movers. Okay. So a cause mover. You've you've been given this uh, a the profile and also a little bit about um, there's like a your key motivation. So the key motivation for a cause mover is making a difference. Okay. Now with cause movers, a cause mover is somebody who sees a, a direct tangible need and. In that moment, they choose to meet that need. This is somebody who you meet somebody who's homeless and you say, I'm going to help you have a home tonight. This is somebody who says, um, I see that the, this person I know, uh, the car just broke down. I'm going to give them a ride and then I'm going to pay for the part to fix their car. Right. This is somebody who they see something very specific, very hands-on right now, and that's what they want to Focus their attention on. That's how they want to give back. That's where their generosity really comes out. It's what motivates them. They want specific causes with tangible, observable difference made. Um, These people have a lot of compassion, personal compassion, that really drives their generosity. And when they do find a specific organization that they want to give to, as opposed to like an individual, they're very concerned about the stewardship, that 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 organization is a good steward of the funds that are given to them. So uh, a biblical reference that might be a good example of a cause mover is the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, This is, you know, Luke was recording when Jesus gave this story um, about there's a man, he gets robbed and beaten and just left for dead on the side of the road. And a bunch of people are just walking by and they just don't care. Like even like the really holy people are just walking past, they don't care. But then this guy, Samaritan, who's, as far as the Jews are concerned, a social outcast. He comes up and he says, I don't care if I'm a social outcast and this guy's a Jew. He needs help right now. And so he stops and he takes care of him. He dresses his bandages. He puts him on his donkey, takes him to the inn. And he says, look, I'm going to pay for this guy. Help him out. Patch him up. I'll come back through in a couple of days on my way back. And I'll pay for anything else that comes up, right? This is what a cause mover looks like. He sees something here. And now, and he deals with it. That's his motivation. Okay, next one up. Who's a budget keeper? Oh my goodness, that's a lot more than I expected. Um, For those of you who aren't budget keepers, this might sound a little like budgeting, really? A budget keeper makes you generous? But let me tell you, for those of you who are budget keepers, you're like, yes, I love crunching numbers, I love spreadsheets. Right? (laughs) Maybe not. Um, But a a, a budget keeper is somebody who 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 really focuses on being wise in their giving. Being wise—that's their key phrase. What do I mean by being being wise? They're they're really focused on responsibility, but generosity through that responsibility. Right? Um, They say, "What can I afford?" and they figure it out. As, as much as they possibly can, they say this I know I can give and I can give it regularly and I can give it consistently and they do. They say this is what I'm going to give and they always give it because they know that it's in the budget. Um, now, when the budget changes and you know maybe they hit a hard time or something along those lines, a budget keeper might pull back that generos- generosity a little bit. They've just they've, they've reassessed what they can give and they know that that's not the old number that it used to be. It's this number now. And so they, they might pull it back a little bit. But then when times change again, of course, they push it back in. Um, they're very specific about I'm being a good steward of my own funds and giving everything that I can on top of that. Um, a good example in the Bible about this one would be uh, the woman in Proverbs 31. You know, she gets up and she provides for her family. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings. Right? This is somebody who's making an investment. She knows She's wise with her money. And on top of that, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. So the generosity is part of that wisdom. It's part of that stewardship of her funds. All right. Who is a faith stretcher? A faith stretcher. Right. Okay. Faith stretchers. This is all about spiritual growth. A faith stretcher is a person who sees the opportunity to give as part of their spiritual journey. Giving isn't just something that you do. It is a very intentional practice designed to open you up to God's glory, God's provision. You know that God's going to do more with what you have than you could do by yourself. And you know that in giving, God will provide for you in return. That you have to step out in faith for God to be faithful to you. Now, it's, you know that God's going to reward you, and it's not necessarily monetarily. Right, You know that his blessings don't always mean I give $5, I get $10 back. That's not. I just want to let you know right now that's not how it works, uh, in case some of you were under that misconception. But you do know that God will bless without fail. It, you might not understand how beforehand, but you will see it. So giving, especially for face stretchers, is part of that spiritual journey. Here's our biblical reference for this one. The poor woman with the coins. In Luke, again, Jesus is saying, he saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. This is after he's been watching for a while and all these rich people are coming in and like, look at this massive check I'm writing. But then this poor woman comes in and she's like, two little pennies. That's all I have. But I believe that God is going to provide for me even though I give them. That is a faith stretcher. All right, we're halfway there. Who are the disciplined doers? All right, we've got a couple of those. Disciplined doers love to give out of joyful obedience. Joyful obedience, okay? You want to do things the right way. You find joy in Obeying God's commands. God's commands, you know they are life-giving commands. They're not just rules and regulations because, you know, you got to have rules and regulations because otherwise what's going to happen? No. God's commands are all about how do we live the best life? How do we build the best communities, right? God's commands are there for a reason because they help lift us up. And the disciplined doers recognize this and they say, I know that when I am following God's commands the closest, that's when I feel like I am the most in touch with what God wants for my life. And so out of the joy that that brings me, the joy of obeying God's commands and how that builds me up, I know that he says I should give and I'm going to give because that's what God wants and that's what God says is going to bring me the best possible life. I know that, yeah, I could go and buy coffee right now And that would cut into my tithe. But God says, if I give this, I'm going to have a better life. And so out of obedience to him, I'm going to give. The scriptural reference here is Zacchaeus. And now this is not Zacchaeus the tax collector before he met Jesus, because he was kind of a scumbag. Uh, No, this is Zacchaeus right after he met Jesus, he experienced a life-changing event. Jesus came and took him in and said, look, I want you to be better. And Zacchaeus says, I want to be better. And so he he takes all that money that he cheated people out of when he was a tax collector and and he says, I'm going to give it back. But on top of that, I'm going to give more. I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to give everything I've got into making this right and to being the better person that Jesus told me I can be because that's what's really going to bring value. Not amassing these coins, but amassing the pleasure of God, of the, the grace of God. And so I'm going to show others that grace and be obedient and go above and beyond and give back. And found joy in doing the right thing. That is a disciplined doer. Okay, who's a community grower? Any community growers? A couple of them. Yep. You're motivated by being part of a community. You're motivated in by uh, be, doing your part by helping others and collaborating and getting together and doing more together than you could as individuals. You know that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It's an old cliche, but you understand what it means. Yeah, you have $5, and you have $5, and you have $5. Together, your $15 can do so much more than even those $5 could have done by themselves, right? Um, You are are motivated by people coming together and doing something significant to doing your part. And often, now... One thing that we've kind of circled around a little bit but haven't really touched on is there's different kinds of generosity. It's not always financial generosity. And community givers are usually the ones who would champion the non-financial aspects of generosity. The community, uh, community growers understand that giving your time is incredibly important. And so you're often the first ones to volunteer of your time in addition to your resources. Um, talking about financial, financial giving can even be frustrating because you champion the non-financial aspects of it. The reference here, we're going to go back into the really Old Testament, is the Israelites building the tabernacle. It said that people who had skills, people who the Lord had given the skills and ability would come in and they would help construct the tabernacle. So they were volunteering their effort, their time, their ability. And those who didn't have these kinds of skills, they were coming and they were giving to that group the stuff that they needed to build the tabernacle. They were actually still giving their tithes and offerings. And in fact, the people at this time were giving so much that Moses had to be like, yo, hold back. We've got a little too much here. It doesn't all fit in the shed just right now. Um, He actually had to tell them to stop giving, right? That's like every pastor's dream right there is to say, like, you're giving too much. (laughs) But no, um, they knew that in coming together, they could accomplish this amazing thing, the construction of the tabernacle, building the house of God that nobody else had ever accomplished. That's the community growers. All right, last one. Who is a legacy builder? Legacy builders. Okay. Now, surprise, surprise! Your motivation is leaving a legacy. What do I mean by leaving a legacy? These are people who are typically visionary. You look beyond the immediate and into the future. Especially, you want um, you want your life to count. You want to know that you do know that your time here is limited. Your lifespan is not infinite. And you want to do something now that has impact well beyond your years. You want to leave a legacy. These people are typically, um, if they have children, they're, they're particularly uh, concerned with leaving an inheritance for those children. Because it's not just about my years, it's about their years too. Um, when you do find... Uh, an organization that's important to you, a cause that really matters to you, you're likely to give a really significant investment, not just a one-time $20 gift, but something that's um, likely going to last well beyond the here and now, well beyond even your own lifetime if it's available. You want to leave a mark. Who does this look like in the Bible? Uh, In the book of Ruth, there's a guy named Boaz Boaz is one of Ruth's extended family, like really far off family. But he sees a widow, a widow who's in severe need of help. She's basically destined to a life of poverty at this point. Um, And he doesn't just say uh, thoughts and prayers, right? He doesn't say, "Here's, here's a gift card for a burger. Like he really comes down, and he even risks uh, his own embarrassment in doing so, but he takes her in. He takes her whole family line into his own hands. He pulls them out of that poverty, and he leaves a legacy with that family. And now if you follow on the genealogy from Ruth, you find that some generations later, there's two very important people who both extend from Ruth's family line. One of them is named Joseph. and The other one is named Mary. They're both direct descendants of Ruth and Boaz. And of course, they had a very specific legacy in that they were the earthly parents of Jesus. And through him came the most generous gift of all. Now all of these profiles... Are equally awesome. There's not one that's better or one that's more generous. They're just the different kinds of motivations that might strike you to give. And some of us lean one way or the other. And of course, you saw that you have a major and a minor sort of based on those questions. This is a little sneak peek here of the different kinds of uh, giving that exist we, the, the, the folks over at Community determined there's basically three major types of giving. There's the financial, the serving, and the relational. We've kind of touched on those a little bit. Basically, uh, financial is how generous are you at giving back to God? Obviously, with your money. Uh, but it's not just your money. There's giving in other ways, too. But serving, how generous are we at contributing our time in and out of the church? And then relational is how generous are we at giving ourselves, our emotions, our relationships, blessing others? Now, I'm gonna, I am not going to talk about those today. You're going to have to come back next week to hear Stephen talk about those ones. But let me wrap up by encouraging you to set your sights on growing in generosity so generously, not sparingly. Because when we choose to give cheerfully, we become conduits... Of the generosity of God. This God who decided to make a difference in your life and in my life, he knew that apart from his love, we were spiritually dead, but being wise beyond all measure, he had a plan for spiritual growth to make us spiritually alive. He gave the most generous gift imaginable himself in the person of Jesus, who in joyful obedience went to the cross, sacrificing himself so that you and I could experience being part of a community, the family of God. Through us, he is leaving a legacy as we help more and more people find their way back to our generous God.